Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. And you, you, everyone knows probably the story of Jonah. Uh, but what, what I want you to make sure you do is really learn the lessons that God wants us to learn and apply those things. Let's first of all give a little introduction to Jonah. And let's go to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And Jonah, if you go to like Daniel, go over four books, you'll be at Jonah. And it's, of course, on the screen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, let's stop there. Jonah is a real character. Jonah is a historical character. He's a, he's a, a very, very um, real prophet of God. And some people thought that Jonah was a, just an allegorical book speaking of uh, something that maybe with Ezra to, to counter what Ezra and the exclusiveness of Ezra and Nehemiah, what they did. And Jonah is not just a, it's not a, a, a allegorical book. Jonah is a historical book about a real prophet of God. Let's go to, uh, to show you what we're talking about. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 14. Let's go there, verse 23. And it'll tell us a little bit about Jonah, 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23. It says, In the fifteenth year of Amazer, uh, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. He did even in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the, all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah the son of Amittai. So you know it's talking about the same one, the prophet who was at Gath Hebrew. So we're talking about the real prophet of God who, who lived and who uh, spoke for God. Jesus spoke of also Jonah also, and knowing that, that Jonah is a, uh, he, he, he is real, and it's not just a book that, Oh, that's a fun thing, but I don't think these those things happen in Jonah. I don't think that really was true. Well, it is. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Let's go there. And if we look at uh, verse 38. Matthew 12:38. Says, "Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you." But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation prays for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
says, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah is a real prophet. Jesus spoke of him also is in Kings. So know that it's not just an allegorical book. This is a real happening. And just like um, uh, when you read about Jonah and the big fish and the big fish swallow, Jonah and all those type of things, these are real historical actions. Now let's go a little bit about the, the, the times of Jonah. Just a little bit. Now, we, when we talk about the times of Jonah, Jonah was, a, was a, during a time where, where the Syrian nation was a much hated nation. Uh, Nineveh was the capital of, of Assyria at one point in time. And it was a great nation. And it was a great city. Assyrians, they were very, very hard on their prisoners of war. They were cruel. They really did cruel things to their prisoners of war. And, and Jonah knew that. People knew that. And people hated Assyrians for that. Also, we find out in the, um, uh, in, in, in the times of Jonah that Jonah hated probably Assyrians because they used to loot and wield ruthlessly the Israelites. And so Jonah really didn't want the Assyrians, uh, Nineveh, saved. He he didn't want them delivered. He wanted them punished because they were an evil nation. This is also during the times of Jonah. You need to know that because of some of the things that's happening. Now let's go back to Jonah and let's look at verses 2 and 3. Let's look at a a map and see kind of what, what we're talking about when we're talking about Jonah here. In verse 2, God gives the first commission of Jonah. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up to me. So God gives Jonah the account, our commandment. But Jonah rose up, he rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, when you, when, when you look at a map on this, let, let's see, can we uh, put a map on the screen for me, please? <coughs> when, when, when you see this map here, I guess it's a map, can you see it? Okay. When you see God gives him the direction, okay, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was about 550 miles northeast. Nineveh was on the west bank of the east bank of, of the Tigris River. And so here's, here's Jonah said, okay, he wants me to go northeast. So Jonah says, uh-uh, I'm not going northeast. I'm going west. So, so, so Jonah goes to Joppa, gets on a ship, head to Tarshish. Tarshish is about 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. 
And so I said, well, wow, that's interesting. Now, he says something that's very interesting here. It says that, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What would make somebody, a prophet even, first of all, when, when I was thinking about Jonah, I said, Jonah, you are not wise. What prophet do you know God gives him a command and he goes the opposite direction? That's very, that's very interesting because a prophet is supposed to speak for God. So I'm thinking, now, in our day and time, what's a good kind of relationship barrier to that? I was looking on, a, I was trying to find out what, okay, Lynchburg. If we're in Lynchburg, he says, go 550 miles in one direction. Boston, Massachusetts is about 548 miles from Lynchburg, northeast. And if we were going to go opposite, we would go to about San Francisco, California. <laughs> That's where we would go. That's about 2,353 miles. And I said, wow. This is really crazy. This man is really trying to flee the presence of God. So what could cause a person to flee from the presence of God? Well, let's think about it. Sin. Couldn't sin cause a person to flee from the presence of God? How, how, about, um, how, how about if God told you to do something and you didn't want to do it? Could that cause you to flee? Yeah, it, it caused Jonah, didn't it? That scripture caused Jonah to flee because God told him to do something. Clearly, clearly he told him to rise and, 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 and go, to, go to Nineveh. He says that, uh-uh, I'm not going. I'm going to go somewhere else. Now, who else tried to flee the presence of God? Who tried to hide from the presence of God? Adam? Mm-hmm, yeah, he did. And, and if you look in Genesis, that's, that's a very good example here. Look at Genesis. When God uh, gave in chapter 2, 8 and 9 of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, 8 and 9, it says the Lord God planted the garden toward the east of Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed out of the ground. God caused to grow every tree that was pleasing in the sight of for food, and it says a tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he said in verse 17, he says that, verse 16, he says that God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But, he says, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat, you will surely die. Then in chapter 3, it says that the serpent said to to even verse 4 to the woman, you surely shall not die, for God knows that in the, in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that uh, it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable for, uh, to make one wise, she took from the fruit she ate and gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then they're both, their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked, and then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves lawn coverings. Verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord 
God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That's what it said. Among the trees of the garden. So what could cause a person to hide from the presence of God? Sin. Sin can cause them to do that. But now let me ask you a very interesting question. It says that they hid from the presence of the Lord. Is that possible? No. No. I wonder why did God then call out to the man and say, where are you? If you can't hide. Why do you think God said that? Very interesting, isn't it? God said, where are you? Do you think he said it for his sake or for Adam's sake? (laughs) God knew exactly where it was, didn't he? Knew exactly where it was. And I say that it's impossible to hide from the presence of the Lord. It's impossible. Well, you say, well, says who? Well, says the word of God. Let's look at it in in, um, Psalm 139, verse 7. Let's go there. It says here, verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold on me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are light to you. So where can we go to hide from the presence of the Lord? Nowhere. Nowhere. You know, it's it's very important to know this lesson because a lot of times we think we can't hide. Obviously, Adam thought he could hide. Because he tried. How many times? <coughs> how many times do we do we really believe that? And Satan tells us, "Well, you have sinned, so you might as well not go to church. You might as well not hang around Christians. You might as well not pray. You might as well not read your Bible. God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. God is not with you." Well, Satan tells people that. But I tell you that God already knew what you were going to do anyway. He saw you when you were sinning. There's no need to try to hide because you can't hide. God loves you. The thing that we need to do once we sin is run to God. Because God wants us to come to him. He really does. 
He wants us to come to him when we're in trouble. It speaks of that all the way through the word. And that's what we want to do. So we're not going to be like Adam and like Eve, so we're going to try to hide from the presence of the Lord. We're not going to be like Jonah. He gives us something to do, and we're going to go uh, 2,000 miles in 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 the opposite direction because Jonah ought to have sense enough to know where is he going to go that God can't get to him? Where is he going to go to run from the presence of the Lord? Where is he going to go so he doesn't have to obey? And that, that, this is a book that teaches us that, that if God tells us something to do, we need to do it. Because sooner or later, we're going to have to do it anyway. Because God can cause us to do it. You say, well, he gives us free will, so we don't have to do anything we don't want to do. Well, yes and no. Because God causes us to want to do it, as we will see as we go through Jonah. Jonah wants to obey God after a while. <laughs> and I believe we'll want to obey God after a while, too. Uh, so uh, I tell you, it's, it's a good thing. Do you think now, it's a, <coughs> do you think it's a possibility? Do you think it's just a possibility Jonah could have been prejudiced? You think it's a possibility? See, see, because I think that sometimes prejudiceness will keep us from obeying the word of God. And, and, and see, Jonah, with the Ninevites, the Syrians, Jonah said they've looted us and will ruthlessly. They are a wicked nation. They treat their, 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 their prisoners of war uh, uh, cruelly, surely, they ought to be destroyed. And God says, I want you to go crowd to Nineveh. I want you to go crowd to this city. And John said, uh-uh, no, 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 because they need to be punished. Well, we got to have the heart of God on this thing, and sometimes our preciousnesses will keep us from wanting to obey the word of God. I'm going to ask Jack uh, Van Gerp to come up a little bit because uh, Jack is a historian and he's also a friend. <laughs> and Jack, uh, he will, um, passing that thing on there. Yeah, Jack knows a lot about people from um, all, different, all different backgrounds. Jack, I, I, I asked you, I said, Jack, uh, I was talking to you years ago. And I said, Jack, uh, you know, about the prejudice of people, you know, blacks and whites and stuff like that. And you said, man, it, that's, that's, that's a small thing. People prejudice all over the world. So tell us about some of the, some of the prejudices that exist all, the, the, you know, all over. I got a list. <laughs> um, of course, anti-Semitism is big. Um, we think of the Holocaust. And um, how devastating that was. Um, also, slavery in America and throughout the world, but that's really impacting us still today. The whole attitude of slavery and and um, one race is uh, superior above the others. That's what was going on in in Europe during the Second World War. Um, Hitler and his regime said that they were superior to anybody else. That they were the Aryan nation, <coughs> nation and according to 
the rules of Darwin, they were survival of the fittest. They were the ones who should rule. And that Jews and Eastern Europeans, too, I mean, they had a bad thing about Eastern Europeans and especially the Russians. They thought they were subhumans and that they should be their slaves. Um, and the Jews, and it wasn't because of the religion of Judaism, it was because of the race. It didn't matter whether you were an atheistic or if you were a Christian or Hindu or agnostic or non-practicing Jew, but if your heritage was Jewish, you were, you were ready to go. And they took out about two-thirds of the Jews of Europe. They were mostly in Eastern Europe, and they, they pretty much murdered them all. It's really heavy. <laughs> I was reading about Elie Wiesel today. He, he passed away the other day. He was a survivor of, of uh, Auschwitz and Dachau concentration camps. And uh, he became a, a, a really strong humanist and pushed for human rights. Uh, very sensitive man. Uh, never came back. To, he, he was in, influenced in his youth by uh, Hasidim, and, uh, which was Orthodox Jews. They wear the long curls and the black hats and stuff like that. They're really orthodox and following the law. He was influenced by that, but because of what happened in the Second World War, he became pretty much a humanist and an agnostic. But um, he still remembered all of that. In all of his writings, that was what, one of his biggest influences. And he was a very sensitive man. He wished he knew the Lord, but he didn't. Um, we had the um, during the Second World War. We also had against the Japanese. And, of course, the Japanese thought that they were the master race. <laughs> they thought that they, uh, their race uh, descended from the Sun King and that their emperor was God. So there was that. Native Americans, there's tribes of Native Americans that don't like other tribes. They don't carry out genocide against them, but they shun them. So there's, um, there's even that. Uh, Muslims, against everybody, uh, they think that they're, they're – Faith is the only faith, and if you don't submit, that you need to be um, either dead or um, a slave. There's Hindus against Christians. There's Hindus against Hindus. In India, they have a caste system. So if you're part of a particular group, you know, we think about the, the middle class and the upper class and the elites and the lower class. Well, they were like that. If you were in one caste or one class, you could not advance into another class and they were not um they didn't have any power and um the, there was a particular caste that was the ruling caste and they pretty much said this is the way it's going to be you guys can do this but you can't do this so you can live here but you can't live there you can marry her but you can't marry him so and then of course there was um young against the old we had a saying when, when we were teenagers or when I was growing up, it says never trust anybody over 30. Anybody right. remember that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then I turned 30. <laughs> I didn't trust myself. <laughs> um, and, and old against young. I mean, you know, in, in the word it says to, about Timothy, don't anybody despise you because of your youth. So there was a prejudice against young. Um, Male against female and female against male, uh, rich and rich against poor. If you were born on the wrong side of the tracks, there's a prejudice there. Uh, if you were born out of wedlock, there was a prejudice there. You couldn't advance anywhere. Um, Protestants and Roman Catholics is still going on in Northern Ireland, isn't it? 
they're coming together, though. They're finding out that they can be politically opposed to one another, but they can respect one another's faith. But they're still hardliners on both sides, uh, ready to kill in the name of their faith. And um, obviously they haven't – they're going – see, they're believing in, in, in um, what the church says, what their, what their particular doctrines of that church say, instead of what the Word says. And we need to be in the Word. That's why we need to be in it every day and, and really eating it. Um, during the Reformation, um, Protestants were burned by Catholics, and Catholics were burned by Protestants. <laughs> it just happened both ways. Uh, there was a, um, I was thinking, uh, there was a situation in Rwanda with the Hutus and the Tutsis, two tribes that um, hated each other. And in Rwanda, the Hutus were in control, and they had ethnic cleansing against the Tutsis. But in a, a neighboring country, I think it's Burundi, it was the other way around. And the Tutsis um, eliminated 100,000. They murdered 100,000 Hutus just because they were Hutus. Um, and then we can look at during the, during the 90s in Yugoslavia, when it broke up, you had uh, ethnic cleansing in Croatia. And in Serbia, the Serbs and the Croats hated each other. The Serbs sided with one side during the Second World War. I think they were on the side of the Axis or the Germans. And the Croats were on the side of uh, the um, the Allies, specifically the Soviet Union. And so um, we see back in, in the 90s there was ethnic cleansing. They were trying to get rid of um, Albanians because the Albanians were predominantly – well. The, the whole Balkan Peninsula for a while was um, dominated by the, the Turks, who were Muslims, and a lot of the Albanians were still Turks. I mean, not Turks, but Muslims. And the Croats and the Serbs are uh, Orthodox Christians. Some were Russian Orthodox, some were Greek Orthodox, but so they didn't like them. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> wow. Oh, goodness gracious. As long as there's two people, there's going to be prejudice. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. Cain and Abel, <laughs> right? So. Boy, um, that, that puts a whole different light on just what we think about um, in our modern day situation. I know that things are coming up now where uh, we have, let's say, illegal immigrants. Uh, as far as Mexicans are concerned, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times people now, uh, if God said, well, I want you to go to uh, and witness to this Mexican person, uh, we might not want to do it because we uh, don't like them because uh, we might believe they, they're here illegally. So why should I witness to them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the question that I had for us as a congregation is do we have any prejudiceness really that could keep us from obeying God? Do we have any? And it's a serious question and a sovereign question that we need to ask. We can say, oh no, we don't have any because we are just thinking of uh, generally what God thinks specifically because he wants to he wants to use you uh, to bring people <laughs> to bring people into the kingdom, and uh, some people don't like people 
um, if you so. I want you to go uh, to this gay community, and I want you to uh, witness to them. And you say, uh-uh, no, I'm not going to. Ooh, no, 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 no. Uh, kill them all. Um, that's, the, that's the kind of stuff that Jonah uh, was, was dealing with. He wanted to kill all the Ninevites. No, I'm not going to Nineveh because they need to be destroyed. God, you're a God of mercy and compassion. And if I go, are you going? I know you, God. If, if, you know you have compassion until they turn, and I don't want to have compassion. I don't have anything to do with it. So I'm going to Tarshish. Do we have any of that in us? Let's look at. Uh, Thank you so much, Jack. Let's give Jack a hand. <laughs> we're in maybe the last place we were was Psalm 139. That's where I want to stay uh, for the last, last part, verse 23 and 24. In Psalm 139, that's a serious thing that I think uh, we need to do. It says, search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts or my hurtful thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. I think that's what we need to ask God. Because seriously, I probably am a bad person at evaluating my own heart because I don't know my own heart. If you ask me, are you prejudiced? I'll say, nope, I'm not prejudiced. But really, 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 God knows. He knows those little bit of things in our heart that we don't even know is in there. And I would ask you today, when you go, let's ask God, God, search Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be it. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.